This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. Today I am joined by Deborah Fitzgerald, our editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. Deborah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for asking me, Miles. We're here to talk about vacation rentals and short-term rental ordinances, which are super fun and interesting, <laughs> and everybody loves them in Door County. Yeah, it seems. <laughs> everybody ahead. has an opinion about it one way or another. Yeah, a lot of opinions. Yes. It, I mean, it's been one of those things that when this when, when it, usually anything that has the term ordinance in it just bores people and puts them to sleep. But this is one of those topics that we just started getting tons of emails and feedback and yes. letters to the editors about. Um, and it just keeps snowballing. It, <laughs> it keeps increasing in um, anger <laughs> in yeah. some case, on both sides. Give our listeners kind of a, a state of play here with the what we're talking about when we talk about short-term rental ordinance and what's going on in the town of Sevastopol. Okay, well, short-term rentals are any rental that that you rent out for a short-term period of time <laughs> uh, for less than 29 days. Um, so uh, short-term rental properties, uh, whenever they arise on a on an agenda locally they they do always generate some interest and there are a couple of you know municipalities that have ordinances right now the village of Egg harbor the um city of sturgeon bay and they talk about you know things like parking and noise and some of those basic requirements so it's not like municipalities have never taken up the idea of imposing some kind of restriction on those people who rent out their properties to people who find them on Airbnb or Verbo, the digital platforms. It's that the town of Sevastopol is looking at exercising its full regulatory authority that the state allows them. And that is to restrict how many times you have a renter coming into your property. So they're looking at that in addition to all of the other things, um, like making sure that you're not overtaxing your septic system and what to do with noise and garbage and pets and all of those other things that short-term rental property owners um, would probably agree are good things to have with the exception of the restriction. And then what is the major restriction that Sevastopol is talking about putting in place? So Sevastopol's ordinance started out with the full regulatory authority, which was you had to rent a minimum of six nights. You could no longer rent to the single nighter, the two nights, the three nights, the four nights. And apparently short-term rental property owners get the majority of their rentals in that two to four night stay. Mm -hmm. So if you were to impose a six night minimum, then that means that they would be put out of business. That was the original draft. They changed that a couple of weeks ago before they went to public hearing last evening. And now they're saying that basically once every seven days, you can have a renter for any length of time. So the way that it's worded is a little confusing, but it basically says that you have to wait seven days between renting periods unless 
you have a seven night rental. So or a six there, night room. Yeah. Seven night rental, yeah. Exactly. So it 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 kind of does the same thing except for it says, all right, instead of not getting any rental renters because nobody wants to stay for six nights, you now get at least one during that period. So you of could time. rent somebody who wants to come up like, all right, they just want to come Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. You can do that now, but then you just can't rent Sunday through Thursday to anybody else. There can't be a new tenant, basically. Correct. From the first day of the preceding rental. So if you come in on, if you rent your property on a Friday and Saturday, and then you can't rent it again until the next Thursday evening or Friday. And this isn't just something that they're looking to put in place to just say, we don't want you to do so much business. Like what is the reason what, is, what problem does that solve by limiting that? That particular regulation is addressing something that may be too intangible to even try and address. And that is, <laughs> seriously, and that is the, the character of the neighborhood. The, a lot of the people who spoke at the public hearing last evening, um, which was their first public hearing, talked about maintaining and preserving the character of the neighborhood. The The word churn came up an awful lot, and that's because people are now renting these properties. Maybe you have one for two nights, the next one for three nights, the next one for two nights, the next one for four nights. So if you moved into a property or you've lived in a property for a very long time in a neighborhood and you always had neighbors around you, and suddenly you have these short-term rental properties, then you constantly have uh, a churning uh, number of of neighbors. Um, And maybe some of them are good neighbors. Maybe some of them are not really good neighbors. Um, So that is what that is trying to do, is trying to preserve those neighborhoods. Yeah. So like if you're, you know, if I live in a a rural area about a mile outside Sister Bay, Mm -hmm. and I have a neighbor just across a tree line from me. And then, you know, another that's like an orchard down the road from me kind of thing. And, you know, I bought in that area thinking, all right, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting this peace and quiet. And so if my neighbor right across the tree line suddenly started renting all the time on VRBO instead of living in that home, and I might have three different people in the course of a week, Mm -hmm. you're I can, I can see where this comes from because you, you are buying in a residential area and you suddenly, it, in a sense, somebody's opening a small B&B next mm-hmm. to your house. Mm-hmm. And if those renters, with nobody on site, so there's nobody to say, keep the noise down, be a good neighbor. So they do what I would do. And, and I've rented VRBOs, right? So you go to the back campfire and you crack some beers, you turn up the music, and next thing you know, it's 12.30, 1 a.m., <laughs> and you're you're still talking loud because you've been drinking all night, and mm-hmm. you're not trying to be a jerk, but you just are loud, and now that's changing what it's like to live next door. And if you just do that once in a three-night stay, and you're getting three people a week, you know, you're three nights a week, the neighbor's dealing with that. So that's just one example of, like, it's not like a huge thing. It's not like they're setting on fire to the neighborhood or anything, but it's, it's changing what the home and the experience you bought, right? And it changes your quality of life. Yeah. So, I mean, that is not the quality of life that you bought into is to have neighbors who are partying, you know, next door at least three nights a week. Um, You can't know that, obviously, when you move into a place, you don't know what kinds of neighbors that you're buying into, but you can get some idea, you know, based upon the neighborhood that you're buying into. And some of the things that other towns have done is to put in like a, a... 
you have to have a man. You either have to live on site or have or live in the town or have a manager who lives within. 25 miles or 75 miles so that the neighbors have someone to call if there's a problem. Right? Sure. And that's the, I don't think that any short-term rental property owner would disagree with, with having that system in place. Sturgeon Bay has that. Um, you need to live within 75 miles. And if you don't, you need to have a manager that is uh, located within the county. So that is, you know, some, that gives you oversight. And I don't think that any short-term rental property owners would, would necessarily disagree with that, mm-hmm. um, that it's a good thing to be able to have a contact number so that you can call somebody if that particular property is always being used uh, for partying types of renters. Yeah, or if the neighbors suddenly like, all right, three days a week, there's 14 cars at this house. You know, mm-hmm. there, there is a place down the road from mine, and that, that sounds like an exaggeration, but there is a place that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Which, if you live right next door to them, I'm sure that becomes like, all right, you're parked in my ditch again. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's not really, I'm not using that ditch, but like, I, I hate to come home to you sitting in my ditch every time. Sure. Um, the, and so, so that's kind of the, the issue. And that's not all to say like, this is why this needs to be done. I'm just trying to outline for listeners, like, why does this actually come up? And, yes. and try to put it into your own context of, all right, what if this were my home and then my neighbor? Mm-hmm. You can see how this can become an issue. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to regulate it in any certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, The opponents to this, what do they say in response? Like what are the short-term rental people obviously aren't going to like this because it would drastically limit their financial uh, opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, It won't just do that. It will put them out of business. Many of them Um, not being able to one person brought, you know, a, a sheet last night that showed, the number of times he's rented a property, for instance, for six nights or less, and it was like 5% of everything. You mean six nights or more? Six nights or more, yes, sorry. So this won't limit the number of nights, but it still limits the number of times during one week that you can rent the property. So if you're renting the property four times a week right now, then suddenly you're going to be renting the property one time a week. Right. So people who uh, expressly built for short-term rental properties or purchase expressly for short-term rental properties, people who have uh, homes and cottages that have been in the family for generations would not be able to hang on to those if they were not able to rent it out. Um, all of them talked about um, how they would not be able to maintain those properties. And this isn't new then. Like you mentioned, like people who have rented out cottages for generations. So it's important to say that vacation rentals are not a new thing in Door County, Um, but they've grown a lot. Like give us some context of why this is coming up now, even Mm -hmm. though there's been vacation, people renting their family cottage for a hundred years here. Right. Now it's, it's the digital platforms, Airbnb and Verbo basically that make it so easy for any property owner to become uh, a rental property owner. So if you think back, like when this used to happen in, in decades gone by, you know, what would you do? You would have taken out an ad in the classifieds and you would have had to, you know, handle all of that. I mean, and that's, that, that's like a lot, you know, people don't really want to have to handle that. Now you don't, have to do any of that. I mean, it makes it so simple for a property owner to be able to just, you know, turn their their 
largely empty property into a rental income property. So that's probably why um, they're not really parallel arguments, in my opinion. I don't think that you can really say that, you know, this has been going on for generations because it really hasn't. Right. Not to this extent. Not this particular way of doing it. Exactly. I mean, people are buying just to be able to turn properties into rental properties because it is so easy to do that. And it's true. It's the way that people like to spend their time now. It's the way that people like to travel. So it is not the way it used to be when, you know, you knew a friend of a friend who wanted to rent the property or, you know, I mean, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. So like 10 years ago, I think there were roughly like somewhere between four and 500 of these types of properties permitted. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, is the number like 1,200? Is yes. that accurate? Um, it, well, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, there are... Because they, they go on and off the market. And- well, yes. And, and also because pe- some people cross market. So if you have one on Verbo, you might also have it on Airbnb. Yeah. So it's a little bit more difficult. Um, Verbo, actually, for, you know, 10 years, it was... It, it has about the same number of properties that it used to, about 600 and something. But Verbo used to be like Craigslist. So you would actually have the transaction between the person who owned the property and the person who was renting the mm. property. Yeah. You know, now it's this digital platform that is, you know, handling all of that. And so Verbo has always really been around. But when I was, over the course of doing this um, story, when I was talking with uh, Kim Roberts, uh, the administrator at the Door County Tourism Zone um, Commission, there were, uh, I want to say, 15 Airbnb properties when she started, I think, in 2012 or 2013. And now there are um, 600 and something. So, yeah. So it's it's... A much larger portion of the marketplace. Absolutely. And it's impacting a lot more neighborhoods. Absolutely. And I don't see how it will stop except for there will be a saturation point, right? Right. I mean, there's already, I think we're kind of seeing that. There aren't a lot of properties on the market. And when those properties do come on the market, they are picked up, you know, immediately. So we may have already reached that saturation point. Who knows? Well, although now you have people building large complexes True. simply to rent them. Like essentially right. the condo boom we're seeing now is not the same as, and I don't want to call it a boom because that's a misnomer because I know some people are, think there's this incredible amount of development going on in Door County that pales in comparison to like the 80s and 90s when you had the landmark resort and 300 units being built. Like, you could add up all the units in the last five years and not get to the the impact of just one landmark, let alone the landing, the high point, Feathen Park. There's a there's those are that level of development is much bigger. But absolutely, and just to that point, I mean, there's the Door County Tourism Zone Commission, like tracks, you know, all of the growth in the lodging industry and and condos have actually decreased one point three percent from two thousand and nine till today. Hmm. And and the ones you do see though, those little like the twelve unit ones in Sister Bay, the the ones on the top of the hill in Sister Bay, and some of these other places, Egg Harbor, you're seeing some of these developments, and they are largely getting built because people can rent them as VRBOs very easily. That's how people are affording to to build out these twelve unit places because now there's a marketplace for people. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna buy that. I'll be up there two weeks a year, six weeks a year, 
and easily rent this out and cover my mortgage on the rest. And then you have the combination of very low interest rates right now, which make it a really good place to put your money and sock it away and, and be able to cover mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So who brings these complaints forward? A lot of people would say, well, this must be driven by hotels because this is competition for the hotels and they're trying to fight the vacation rental market by trying to limit their ability. So is, is this driven by hotel owners? I don't know. I hear that. Um, I heard that in Sturgeon Bay, uh, probably, I don't know, when I first started about a year ago, I want to say that that was always like the subtext, you know, of everything. It's really somebody else who's moving this. But I can say that um, it's not hotel owners that are standing up and, and, and saying, we don't want this anymore. We don't want this in our neighborhood. We don't want this to happen. I don't know if any of those property owners are actually, um, you know, acting as puppets for the hotel. I don't know yeah. if they have, you know, any financial interest or a familial interest in them, but I do know that property owners are really vehemently um, against having this continue. Right. So, so it's neighbors. Basically. It is it's, it's neighbors. Homeowners. I mean, that I've seen it's homeowners. Yeah. I haven't actually uh, seen any or heard from any, hotel owners. I don't, I, I don't think that hotels would consider it to be a good public relations move to make, right. you know, that opinion overt. But it's asset because I haven't either. And, and I yeah. talk to people about all these issues all the time. My dad is a hotel owner. He's having, he's just had better and better years. Mm -hmm. So even though there is this marketplace of people who want to stay in vacation rental homes, just like I've done, there also are a ton of people who still want to stay in hotels. Hotels right. are to, to my knowledge, the ones I've, I've spoken to and I've talked to a lot of them are doing great. So mm -hmm. it's not like a, it doesn't seem to be a competition laden thing. It really, I, I just wanted to put that out there because I know some sure. people are like, this must be hotels. They just don't want to yeah. compete. <laughs> um, they're all doing well. Yes. And that brings me to another question of like, okay, we've talked about some of the drawbacks of these places, but you outlined in the story last week that you wrote for the paper, a lot of the things that short-term rentals bring to the community in terms of economic benefits and opportunities for homeowners. And even though a lot of people would say like, these are investment, these are speculators that are just coming in here and opening these. Mm -hmm. But there are examples of people who, hey, I'm able to avoid a, afford a home in Door County and live here because I can rent this room out. Mm -hmm. um, so like, what are some of those benefits that you outlined that this has added to our marketplace. Well, I think the the benefits are the same as any business industry would bring to the economy. I mean, they're paying all of the same taxes. They're hiring, um, well, because of these are property-based businesses, then they need landscapers and cleaners and painters and plumbers and electricians and contractors and all of those businesses. And they have to maintain their properties way better than you or I are probably doing on our houses, right? <laughs> um, if you looked at my lawn, that yeah. is definitely the case. And my so, garden. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have to employ these people on a regular basis. And so they're obviously contributing to that part of the economy. And there are certainly, you know, larger investors who are coming in and own, you know, bigger, like lots of tax parcels. But then you hear the stories, and, and there are a lot of those um, from people People who, uh, one woman told a story last evening about her mother. She's 85 years old. She's able to stay 
within the house that she uh, raised her children in and not have to go into a nursing home and she's able to afford it because they are able to use it as a short-term rental property. Um, There are others who, you know, said that their home has been in the family for, for generations and they would not be able to, you know, afford to keep that property if that were not the case. So these are, these are people who um, are using them as business income, but also um, for, you know, the other reasons like this means a lot to us and uh, we couldn't actually afford it anymore because let's face it, property is no longer inexpensive in Door County. And so they probably would have been priced out of that. So these people are uh, gaining incomes from it. Um, Many of them live here. And so they're helping to support their local economies wherever they may be operating. And then obviously that goes and those people come up and they support the restaurants. Yes. They vacation here. Right. It actually has, you know, if we're adding 800 of these units in the peak season, like that is what we used to be a finite source, right? Like the reason all the hotels boomed in the 80s, 90s and early 2000s is because there were more people that wanted to stay here, but all the hotels were full. Like you had to book a year in advance. And eventually we kind of overbuilt those and you didn't see a hotel built for 20 years until the hotel door, which opens later this month. Mm-hmm. So the, the short-term vacation rentals basically added to our capacity in that peak season. So I, I'm dealing with this now with my family trying to, my five siblings trying to find a way to get up here in the middle of the summer. There's not a lot of hotel rooms right, that, that right. they can go and find for a week and they'd have to cobble a night here and maybe three nights at this other place and things like that. And it's even hard now because of the built up demand and um, yes. everything from COVID. It's even hard to find the vacation rentals, but that is the inventory that's out there mm-hmm. for, that they can even look at. Um, so it's kind of fascinating there too. So it does bring up the, the total gross revenue of all the restaurants. It's probably one of the reasons why we can have as many of the of these other new businesses up here because there's more to go around in that peak season. Well, definitely. And we can't forget that. Um, the shoulder seasons too. I mean, the yeah. short-term rental property owners are always talking about that's where they do a lot of their big business because we're a drive-to destination from major population centers. And so, hey, let's go up to Door County for the winter. Uh, I mean, for a weekend in the winter or a weekend, you know, in late fall after everybody else has left. There are a lot of tourists, you know, who don't like to be here at the peak time. Yeah. And so now they get to come because they can, you know, have this different experience, you know, staying in somebody else's home during those shoulder seasons just for a couple of days. Yeah. But they did talk a lot about that as well uh, during the public hearing is a number of people they bring into Door County and that they enable, you know, they're kind of like very personal ambassadors for Door County. And maybe some of those people will want to move here and bring their, you know, younger creative energy here. Well, there is something to be said for that in the sense, like I know when I was still living in Chicago and we'd have a bunch of friends who had never been to Door County before in all in our you know, late twenties, early thirties, early career people who, if you look at, um, it was kind of fascinating for me to realize that like, it was just as cheap to find a plane ticket and fly to somewhere like, um, 
Tampa, Florida, or Fort Lauderdale, a lot of times from Chicago, rent a car, and then get a hotel for a couple of nights. It was just as cheap to do that and took the same time for a weekend as it was to try and go and drive four and a half hours to Door County, find a hotel room up here because the hotel rooms would be more expensive. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be spending nine to 10 hours in a car. So, and then if you had a group of people doing that to come to Door County for each of you to get your own hotel rooms, that price is just for a younger person, that younger Mm -hmm. audience, that younger traveler, it was cheaper to go almost anywhere you'd want to fly to than it was to drive to Door County for a weekend. So that started to change as you could just look at Airbnb and VRBO and go, oh, how about the four couples of us? We all go to Door County. We rent this house and it's like a hundred bucks a person for a couple nights. And I do think that is, it has had an impact in drawing that younger demographic that for years we said we thought was lost to Door mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. It brought them back because it moved it back into that affordability range and a, and a good yeah. intro level one for that. So that is one argument um, for that because I think the last couple of years you've he- seen a lot of people go, oh, that's a new clientele in Door County. There's a lot more young people. That yeah. also is because we have different attractions. We have better restaurants, better bars, better right. things like that. And all of that contributes. And and you want that to continue, right? Because that's how it started out. Airbnb, like all of those digital platforms. Oh, I don't have to spend, you know, X number of dollars to go to a hotel room. But you know what? That is no longer the case. Like it's actually the prices are climbing yep. on, on the digital platform rentals. Yep. Like it used to be the cheapest option, right. you know, and now it's starting to not be the cheapest option. But if you have, that's why I say like, if you're a group. Oh yes, definitely. But if you're a couple, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it becomes quite pricey. Right. Or if you're a group or a family. Yeah. Right. And it still hasn't gotten that way, like where it's the most expensive thing to do, but I hate to see it like trending that way when it started for just that reason, yeah. what you described is you know, being able to attract a more bohemian traveler, you know, so, and which, which generally means younger. You know, and there's another aspect of this that isn't necessarily germane to Sevastopol's ordinance. It's that they, the impact on the local affordable housing market. And a lot of people in the industry have said like, this doesn't impact that. And that's pretty naive. It almost, can't not impact it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I could tell you several of the houses that I used to rent year round in Door County as a young person are vacation rentals. Now they're weekly vacation rentals. We walked around Bailey's Harbor last week. Yes. And a lot of downtown homes that were once the, the family homes of friends of mine growing up even, um, are now just Bailey's Harbor cabin. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, and that was kind of eye opening for me. And that's, that's all, all over the County. So mm-hmm. that, that is taking stuff out of the housing stock, which has created another level of animosity in this. Right. Um, Where do things stand in Sevastopol now? Okay. Well, in Sevastopol, they had their uh, public hearing last evening. Now, Sevastopol has been working on this for about a year, and it has had an attorney with it, you know, every step of the way. So whatever they do, I know that they're going to feel confident that um, what they're doing is is legal and enforceable. they plan to, I, I guess I should actually mention that, the, the one part of this plan is that they would, you know, 
hire an outside company like from Minnesota to actually enforce their hmm. ordinance. So that that's a, another topic for another time. Yeah, but um, but they are um, going to be. It's going back to the plan commission now on Thursday evening. And we're recording this Wednesday midday for yes, Wednesday midday. So it's going, they had their public hearing on Tuesday night. It goes back to the plan commission and then the plan commission will take, you know, into consideration all of the public comment that they heard on Tuesday evening. And then they either send it to the town board for final consideration or, or not. I don't know. You know, I mean, if they feel like they've got the draft that, you know, they're they're done with, they'll send it on, and then the town board makes the ultimate decision in terms of what they want to do. And that could potentially be when? May 17 um, is when the town board meets, and on their timeline, if the town board were to actually approve the ordinance then, then they could see it actually taking place as soon as July. Now, some one speaker uh, last evening did ask that if they were to implement something like this, that they would hold off on the enforcement or starting the ordinance until January so that people could get, you know, take time to prepare for something well, like this. I was going to say, like a lot of people already have bookings. I'd imagine yes. they, they can't ask people to go and cancel bookings. Right. It would be kind of tricky doing that. <laughs> so, I mean, or in a nightmare. I mean, yeah. so. What about the fact that like, like you said, people have bought homes. It's almost like um, if, you know, our, our office is here in Bailey's Harbor and we bought this building and we wanted to open a newspaper and because we want to publish weekly, what if somebody came 10 years later, our business model, our affordability of this property is all based on that. And somebody says, well, you can only publish newspapers every month now because people are getting too much information. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, and, and you're, you know, this might actually happen, actually. Like that, towns might say, not want yeah. us reporting on them as often. Um, <laughs> but like, is that a fair comparison to what this would be for some of these property owners who invested based on? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, in, in plus like one person, uh, said, you know, this is, this is our retirement. So this is like you coming in and saying, you know what, that pension plan that you have, we're going to take away half of it because we just don't like it. So it is very similar to that. It's, you know, somebody coming in and, and totally impacting what you deliberately set up to do because it was legal to do that. So is there any like talk of grandfathering? No, no, now that you mention it, it, no. Like, it's, it's weird. I, it, I'd be curious if that would stand up to a legal challenge. I don't know if any of this will. Um, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, you, you create a new law, and um, then you wait to find <laughs> out. Find out how if it holds up. Exactly. I mean, and so I don't think that... I think um, they certainly could if they said no on any new vacation rental... I think they could certainly do that, but it is interesting that, that somebody would have bought based on one set of rules and then you would change them that drastically. Yes, bought and built. I mean, yeah. somebody used an example last night that they had, you know, town board members helping them to go through the approval process and get everything done. This is a number of years ago. And, you know, now that now they're essentially saying with this ordinance, um, sorry, you know, that's yeah. not going to work anymore. Um, like could Sturgeon, Sturgeon Bay couldn't just up and say, 
um, we're going to ban shipyards. So yeah. Fincantieri, you're closed. <laughs> right. I just, I don't, you know, I, the, the state statute gives them the authority to do this. So it's not, it's not like the state didn't, you know, have some understanding of they wanted somebody to do something or have the opportunity to do something to regulate these as a business. And it is a business, even though that's the sticky part, right? I mean, you can, it's a, it's somebody's home, but it is also a business. And so it's kind of similar to, um, you know, saying you can't have any home based businesses Hmm. in this neighborhood. You know, you can't have your pottery kiln and you can't, you know, open up that little garden store, whatever, you know, or whatever be a freelance writer in an office. Or be, right, <laughs> right. Or make beer, you know, whatever it is that you do, you know, that you would. So that's the, that's the tricky part. Yeah. This is a, I'm glad you got this story and not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been definitely an education process and I certainly don't know everything about it, but I've learned an awful lot and I don't think it's the end. And that's probably the most significant part of this is, other towns are looking at um, ordinances, and so they're watching what's happening in Sevastopol to see, because this is the extreme, to see what happens in Sevastopol. Yeah. So, well, Deb, thanks for all of your in-depth reporting on this. Yes, um, it's, it's been, been fun. <laughs> <laughs> the letters that we've been getting have been really fun. Ooh, um, yeah. I, I would say that some of the comparisons by some short-term rental owners um, claiming that they are among the most persecuted people in the history of the world. Yeah. Literally, we have gotten those kind of letters. It's um, a little extreme. It's, it's, it's a little bit extreme, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, your your article is in The Pulse that's out now. It's, yes. It's one of the longer ones we've run recently yes. with a lot of great information for people who want to get a fuller picture of this and, and really on both sides. And hopefully you've gotten that uh, listeners through this podcast as well, just mm-hmm. kind of seeing how complex this is. Cause it's not as simple as a NIMBY thing. It's not as nope. simple as a, a housing thing or a hotel thing. And mm-hmm. it's, um, you can see it from all sides. Yes. So, thanks for your work. And thanks for joining me on the Thank podcast. Thank you, Miles. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.